Hey, why don't you just put your hand on the person right next to you for a start? You know, the most important thing that we can have, someone can talk, someone can do so much, but the most important thing we can ever have is an encounter with Jesus Christ. So I just want you to close your eyes. So Father, we love you. We love you more than anything else. We love your presence. We're so in love with you. We're so in love with you. And we just declare on the person to my right and my left, why don't you just start to pray over them? We just declare more, more, more of your presence, more of your goodness, more of your life. Lord, birth and awaken the dreams inside of them. God, let them grow. Let this year be a year of intimacy. Let this year be a year of dreams being fulfilled before their eyes. Let this year be a year of dreams and visitation, of encounters in the night. Let this year be a year of joy. We just declare this year is a new year. It's a new year. And we just say, we just receive everything you've got for us. And just so much more of your presence. Mess us up with your goodness. Mess us up with your goodness. Just your life and your love. That people will look at us and say, why are you so happy? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come and kiss us with heaven. We just enjoy you. We just enjoy your presence. We just love your presence. Just love your presence. Just receive like a child. God, let me let us become so much more aware of you. So much more aware of you. <laughs> oh, God's good all the time. I want you to give the worship team just a, let's honor them. It's so cool. It's so good coming back and just, um, just walking in and just feeling the presence of God. And hi, Joe. It's just, it's just such an honor and a privilege to be here. And just to say that the journey for us is, is in a journey and it's an adventure, but I, I wouldn't change anything for the world. And just the thing that was most exciting is walking halfway across the world and walking into a church where the, the core heart after the kingdom 
and seeing the kingdom of God expressed in the earth in its fullness is exactly the same as what it is here. And so I, Mike, enjoy what you've bled and what you've paid with your lives to see established here. I just so value and honor. And thank you for that legacy that what you've paid for, I don't have to pay quite the same, but I get my own things to pay for. So that's so good. Before I'm just going to talk a little bit this morning about dreams. And I just want to thank you, Stu. I, I dropped on him a, a presentation just before the service, and I think they've managed to put it together. Is that so? That's that's pretty cool. But just before we do, um, we have we've had some fun over the last couple of days, just talking and just telling stories. And Kalinda, I was wondering if you'd come up here and just say what happened yesterday morning. So she's got no idea this is happening. So why don't you put your hands together? Let's welcome Kalinda and Jill. Thanks, Andy. We had a, a fabulous opportunity yesterday morning to uh, just hear a great deal of encouragement from Andy. And uh, he uh, filled us up with good stuff and said, let's go and bless our community with the love of God. And um, I just felt so free. It's not something I've ever done before. I've been in the prophetic evangelism tent at the show just the once but I've never done uh, the treasure hunt that Andy had talked about. So Jill and I uh, teamed up together and said, okay, God, what do you want us to do? And um, we, I got a really clear and specific thing from God that excited me and freaked me out at the same time because it was so specific. It was either going to be really right or really wrong. And uh, God said to me, I want you to go to the warehouse, go to the aisle by the suitcases. There is a man in a black shirt. He needs healing. And uh, so we hopped in our car and (laughs) full of faith went down there and said, well, this is really right or really wrong. And let's find out. There's only one way to know. I have to confess, I did want to chicken out, suggested we could do one or two other things, but Jill wouldn't have it. So... uh, (laughs) To the warehouse we went, and Jill's like, well, well, which aisle is it? And I said, God showed me this one here. And as we approached the end of the aisle, there was the man in the black shirt ready to receive an encounter from God. Oh. Yeah. Not only black shirt, but he actually had uh, mongrel mob colours on his um, around his neck and on his arms. And Clinda took one look at that, and she thought, Oh, no. (laughs) I took one look at that and I thought, yay, Lord, yes. So so we just approached him and and said hi and I introduced myself and we said to him, we're on a treasure hunt. And and I had written these four things on a piece of paper and I showed him the piece of paper and I said, these are the clues for our treasure hunt. And um, I said, you know, this is the warehouse. You're in the aisle with the suitcases. You're wearing a black shirt. And uh, God wants you to know that you're his treasure. And uh, he questioned that. And Jill came in and said, no, nah, you know, this is, this is real. He, um, you know, God, you are a treasure to God. So I asked him if he needed any healing in his body. And he said, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> he said, my back is stuffed. And I've been on a sickness benefit for years. So I offered to pray for him, and together we stood. And 
It wasn't a big religious prayer. I just asked if I could lay my hand on his back. And I just said, God, just fill him with your goodness. And uh, after we finished praying, he started to go like this. I didn't even have to ask him. He's going like this. And he just said, wow, something is gone. (laughs) And I just said, thank you, Jesus. But you know, the best part for me was to see this man you know, he was huge Māori man, obviously, with connections in different places to me. And tears began to pour down this man's face. And he just sobbed and said, I feel so touched. And it was just awesome to know that, you know, we just left it at that. We said, well, you have an awesome day and know there's a God in heaven that loves you. And we just walked away knowing that he'd been blessed. We hugged him before we left. (laughs) That's so good. Is that good? So we just figured that today's today's a good day for a miracle. Every day's a good day for a miracle. But the, the most important thing is, is I can't determine whether someone gets healed or not, but I can determine whether they get loved. And so that man got loved and got the miracle, which is just so, so fun. So we're in America. We can go ahead and put that up, Stu. That'd be cool. But just before I start, we're just going to go really fast and, and just talk about a couple of things. So, but I say don't, don't put your seatbelt on because it's way more fun without it this morning. And just want a couple of the testimonies of, of, of following your dreams, of having something in your heart, a future picture for what you want to do with your life. Uh, little things, big things, it's all so important. And most of us look at the cost of doing that. And to go to America meant leaving our family, uh, leaving grandparents, leaving babysitters, walking away from a great job and a great salary, walking away from an amazing church where... I knew people and people knew me. Uh, Walking away from our house that we'd only just built a guest room on for people to come and stay. We hadn't even slept in it. It was just all these things of God, why? And most of us look at the cost of following the dream, but we don't look at the cost of not following the dream. We don't look at the price tag on the other side of if you don't lay a hold of this, what's going to miss out? What's going to happen to the generations that follow you? And will they be able to enter into what they could have done if I pay the price? And Jesus paid a price and he said, you're going to do greater things. But what about the people after you? Will you pay the price so that they can do greater things than you? So here's a couple of stories from my children. So I've got a son who's five, Ben. And he tells us that every night he goes to heaven and watches movies with Jesus. I'm thinking, hey, that's, that's okay. They watch the great movies like Monsters vs. Aliens and uh, Monsters, Inc., uh, um, Ice Age, Ice Age 2. And, and he says he watches these with Jesus, which, hey, who am I to argue with that? But then the other day, he said, he, as he was coming back from heaven with Jesus, they come across a dead body. I'm thinking, okay, I'm listening. And, it, and he said, he turned to the body and he prayed for this body and this person came back to life. And then Jesus turned to him and Ben said, and Jesus said to me, Ben, you're a healing machine. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven, you cannot enter the kingdom unless you receive it like a child. Not childish, but childlike. And I think there's so much that we can learn. 
we've got a friend of ours who is has a brother who's uh, has. He's, he's been mentally retarded since birth, and he's 43 years old. So he crawls around uh, and just makes noises, and you can work the rest out yourself. Well, Ben, he's five, has taken a shine to this man, Doug, and he loves him. I, I, I don't know. He just saw him once, and that, that was enough. Because Ben doesn't see him the way that you and I see him. And so Ben came to me and said, Dad, I want to make a statue for Doug. And I'm thinking... Okay, what's this going to look like? So we use these offcuts of wood and we make this little statue of a man that's standing up with his arms raised and self-standing with a little stand at the back. And, I, and when, when I gave it to this man's brother, uh, or this man's sister, she was a little bit like, I'm not so sure about this. But she takes it home. And the day that they put it in his bedroom was the first day in 43 years that he used the drinking fountain himself. Now, is it possible that, that God has stored up things through the children if we release and empower them? I, it just blows me away. It's just, it's just a couple of stories. Ben comes home from kids' church, and he told them the story about going to heaven, coming back. So the kids' church leaders say, okay, well, well how about this morning you lead the whole class into an, to go to heaven? So everyone lies down, and Ben tells them, takes them on this journey to heaven. I'm thinking, wow, what do you say? And yet, that's the price. What price is that worth to follow your dream, that the next generation enter into things that you've only dreamed of? So just a couple of things. This is where dreams become reality. The Bible says that, that and we pray it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Hawke's Bay is supposed to be the place where dreams become reality. Because in heaven, your dreams are reality. So this is the place where you connect with God and your dreams become reality. There's not just this church, but this city. Not just this city, but this region. What would it be like where people would come in here and they would encounter God, they'd discover purpose and then come alive on the inside, and their dreams will become reality because they connect with God. Isn't that the intention that God set up right from the start? So here's some testimonies of, of what we're seeing happen. We're working with people, and we're getting them to write down their dreams. We're getting them to write down 100 dreams, and they're things that they want to have, things they want to do, things they want to be. And it's, the spiritual component of that is a small part of it. Because God is interested in every aspect of your life. I've got one of the pastors on staff, and he's, one of his dreams is to go big game fishing. I think there's some people here that have that same dream. Well, two weeks later, he gets rung from Miami, and from where he's supposed to go on a ministry trip. And they say, I know you're coming and you're leaving on the Monday, but we were just wondering whether you'd like to stay one extra day because we've got the best big game fishing in the world, and we're going to take you big game fishing. He's just sitting there and thinking, pardon? I, like, I wrote that down, and is God, God is interested in big game fishing? Does God go big game fishing? Is it possible when he was creating the marlin or creating the, the yellowfin tuna that he was thinking of you? Uh, we, we've got another gentleman, and he, wrote, he wants to learn Spanish. 
And two weeks later, his landlord walks up to him with a Rosetta Stone Spanish kit. Now, Rosetta Stone Spanish kit are the most, they're about 400 US dollars. Hands it to him and says, I ordered this, it's the wrong one, and they won't take it, take it back. Do you want it? And he's just like, pardon? Like, I, God wants to mess us up with his goodness. When Jesus said, it is finished, it is finished. And Jesus paid in full for everything that we need. No sickness, no disease. It's completely illegal. Whether I see it or not, it's illegal. Jesus paid that price in full. We've got another, another couple, and this is one of the, the pastors in the school of ministry. And she wrote down in her, on her dream list, I want to go to Mozambique. The very next day, she gets rung from the missions pastor and says, Hey, Crystal, um, look, I, I was wondering if you'd like to take a team of students this year to Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique. Now, it's not happening once. It's, not happening. it's happening again and again and again. Uh, uh, it's just happening again and again and again. People write them down, and it's almost like God is waiting for us to say, What do you want? What do you want? The Bible talks about even the ear, even an ear to royalty. When he is an infant, is no different to a slave. But when he grows up, he rules over all. And there's a difference between being a slave and being a son. There's a time to grow up and start to possess our promises. And that starts now. And I feel like, and I feel so much like that that's for this church. It's that 2010 is the year of promises being fulfilled. The year of dreams being restored. And Romans talks about God who gives life to the dead and cause those things which do not exist as though they did. That these dreams that you may have, these dreams that you feel like over the last year, over the last years, that they've been crushed, they've been broken, that this is the day that your dreams will be resurrected because we've got a God who's really, really good at resurrecting things. Is that right? And some of the other testimonies, if you flick over the, the next screen, is it's not just God doing things for us. It's not just positioning us things, but he's changing. He's giving us this message. I love you more than you realize. We're seeing people that are getting empowered. They, they're saying, in, in an apostolic church, which is all about sending people, how do your people get past it? But when I listen to them and ask them what their dreams are, they say, I feel cared and connected for. Someone here connects, connects and cares for me. But it's this, more than that, there's this firm but gentle hand on their back pushing them into who God's called them to be. There's, there's this gentleman that I met with, and he said, when I come away from meeting with my dream coach, I feel invincible. And I thought about that for a while, and I thought, well, if I'm made in the image of God, and God is fairly invincible, how much should it be that when people encounter me, they walk away feeling powerful, feeling loved, feeling like they can overcome anything just because they've encountered God inside of me. And uh, he says this, he says, I especially value their encouragement for me to develop my dreams in line with God's design and that me, and rather than me living someone else's design for me. You know, God made you unique. He made you significant. He made you of great value. And he put things inside of you that only you can express. That when you, when you try and copy 
and make your life as an imitation of somebody else, you're missing the fullness that God has in you. So we just click over and say, why, are we, why be a dreamer? So why should I be a dreamer? Why should I do these things? And initially we were thinking, well, you have permission to dream. When you go from a slave mentality to a son mentality, when you're a slave, you just do what you're told. But a son gets to do what he wants. I heard this quote from a mystic that was, love God and do whatever you want. Love God and do whatever you want. And for me, growing up in church culture, that messed me up. But isn't that the heart of the matter? If I would connect with God and be governed by love, I would never do anything that would damage or break your heart anyway. So I can do whatever I want because it's going to be governed by love. So why be a dreamer? You not only have permission to dream, but you have a divine mandate. You have a divine mandate to dream and live the fullness that Jesus paid for. Jesus is waiting to get his full reward, which is you living to the fullness. Which is you living to the fullness. And we read about this. All creation groans and waits for you to be revealed. Why is that? Because you carry a unique nature. You carry a unique personality. You carry something that is unique to you that nobody else represents, nobody else carries. It's like your voice is waiting to be heard. And unless you be you, then no one hears that. There's this guy called uh, St. Irenaeus, and he lived about 200 AD. And it was said that, that his, he was a, like a second-generation disciple of John, the Apostle John. And he, he's got this quote that says, The glory of God is a man fully alive. The glory of God is a man fully alive. And we get so confused with what is the glory and what does that look like? And is it there's some fuzzy cloud or, and something way out there? But actually, God placed his glory inside of each of us. And we would embrace who he's called us to be and live that out. Then it's like God takes a paintbrush and he dips it into the colors of your life. And he paints a picture with who you are. And then he signs his name and he puts that in front of the world. And he says, look at this. This is a reflection of who I am. Whether that's you being a doctor, whether that's you being a lawyer or a teacher, whether that's you being the greatest mum on the planet, whatever that is, is our job is to discover who God's called us to be and then be that to the fullest because that's what Jesus paid for. Jesus paid for this. And, this, and what do I get to do? I get to go around and just unlock people to become who they're called to be, which is the most fun thing on the planet to do. There's this whole thing about we know the scripture that says, hope deferred. Exactly. See, there you go. You, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream or a desire realized is a tree of life. Is it possible that in you pursuing who God's called you to be in right relationship with people would release life not only to you, but to the people around you? You know, the happiest people on the planet are the people that are doing what they were designed to be. Is it possible that divine health is released when I align with heaven and I'm now walking out who God's called me to be? So because I'm now in alignment with heaven, there's a life flow within and through me and I walk in divine health. Is it possible 
that are people who are just waiting to pick the fruit off your life. And they say, what is it about you? How come you're so alive? And you say, because I'm living who I was designed to be. Is it really as simple as this? Is it really as simple as just connecting with God, discovering who He's designed me to be, being in a right relationship with people, and then just living and say, God, I want Jesus to get His full reward in me. In me. Uh, I, I live to see, it's like I love revival, and we've got this culture of revival, and crazy things happen in revival. People encounter God, and heaven is released. But for me, and, and I know talking to some people here, it's the same. It's, I don't want to just see revival. I don't want to just see a, a party happen. I don't want to get people just excited and experiencing God. I want that to transition to a changing culture. It's like the mandate for us is not only just to experience God, but to change the world that we live in, to go out and not just make converts, but disciple nations. You know what it is? It's like poverty is evidence of an inferior kingdom. The sex slave industry is, is evidence of an inferior kingdom. And Jesus paid for that to be destroyed. But that's going to take you and I standing up in who we are and beginning to embrace that. And I can't be you and you can't be me. But what if God's placed within you the keys to ending poverty? What if God's placed within you some keys to be able to train and release children into the fullness of their destiny? We're just starting to stand in front of the, the seventh graders at, at the school. And, and starting to dream with them. And I've got one of these children that is saying, my dream is to discover and colonize a new planet. And I listen to that and I'm thinking, ah, Jesus, am, are we kind of like getting off the planet a bit? I mean, is this, is this okay? And then I read this quote that said, God has been waiting for centuries for somebody that would be ignorant of the impossible to go ahead and do it and he finds that in children when you were a child you dreamed you dreamed you have many dreams but what happened to those dreams the god it's like god is waiting for us to, to be us to discover who we are and then walk with that what we're seeing is uh, habakkuk 2 2 says write the vision and make it plain that they that read it can run with it that when we write down something when Pastor Mike starts to write down his books, that those books start to go over, all over the earth, there is something in the written word that comes alive. It's like when I write it down, is it possible that they that read it are not just you and I, but the angelic realm? We're seeing, we write down something, and the next day it happens. How is that? We write down, I want to learn Spanish, and two weeks later, someone's walks and hands person a, a Rosetta Stone Spanish kit. How is this happening? Is it possible that heaven is waiting, that the angelic realm is waiting to be activated by you and I just saying yes to God? You know, is it as easy as this man on a cross next to Jesus turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you're in paradise? And Jesus says, they'll do. Is it as easy as just saying, yes, I don't understand. I don't know what it looks like. I'm scared. But I know you've placed some things in my hand and no matter how impossible it looks like, I just choose to say, yes, and I'm going to walk with this. And the Bible says that when two or three agree, it shall be done. It's one thing to write these things down, but it's then to agree with somebody, to submit that to somebody, and to agree together. And we're seeing amazing things happen.
I walk into the, into the post office, which is a really spiritual place. Because packages get delivered there. I walk into the post office. I'm just having yawn. And there's this man in front of me, and he's an older gentleman. And, and he's got this package that he's posting. And I walk in there, and, and I just see him there. So I just let him go in front of me. And then we get to talking. And he says, where are you from? Because he can hear my accent. And we start to talk some more. It turns out that he's the president of an organization that is all about leadership development and executive coaching. And he goes to the same church as I do. And we're just setting up this whole kind of department about people development. I meet him in the post office. Is it possible that God is just waiting for us to write down and agree with what he wants to do through our life? that heaven's resources are waiting for us, are just waiting for us just to align with heaven and just say, yes, I choose to face the fear. I choose to just say yes to God and be thankful and to start to work with what I've got. If we just move on. Thanks, Stu. I just want you to listen to this. This is Kim Walker. And she was the worship leader, one of the worship leaders at Bethel. And this is Kim talking about some of her dreams. Can you just put that right back to the start, if that's possible? This is good. does that look like and how does that translate wouldn't this be that God's placed these things inside of me before the earth was created that he saw you he saw you you're the apple of his eye and he created unique things that you would walk into unique things just for you that he's prepared you to walk into but what does that look like and how would that relate What is the dream that you've been carrying? What is the dream that maybe you've lost? What are the things that you dream of doing? What do you wake up at night thinking about? What is it that brings you pleasure? There was this man, Eric Liddell, and he said, when people do different things, but when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. And he was the man they made the move at Chariots of Fire about. What do you do where you feel the pleasure of God? You know, that, that's not about standing up the front of a church and speaking. That's about what you do out there. If that's running, then run. If that's playing sport, then play sport. If that's doing business, then do business and do it well. If that's to end poverty, then, then go for it and do it. But what are you doing with what God's placed within you? 
Because at the end of the day, you, you're, not, you're not responsible for anything else than what you did with what God gave you. And if you bury the talent and the things inside of you, then you're the one that's responsible for that. And I ache to see global transformation, but that requires you and, each, you, know, you, you and I, each of us, to stand up and become everything we're called to be. And if that's being the greatest mum on the planet, then that's the most amazing thing you could do. And if that's to be the best janitor in the world, then be the best janitor in the world. Because if you feel the pleasure of God in that, then do it. What is it that wakes you up at night? What could you talk about for hours? What are people, they start to talk to you and they start to switch out because you just keep going and going and going. What is it that burns in you? And then it's, it's like the parallel of, of Jesus talking about when he comes across a situation where there's, they're out and they're alone. There's nobody else there, but they've got 5,000 people. And these people have been three days and they're hungry. And the disciples see this need and they're moved with sympathy. You see, sympathy doesn't change anything, but compassion does. The disciples had sympathy, but Jesus had compassion, which moved him to action. You say, what's the will of God for my life? What do you have compassion for? Because that will release the power of God. Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, they said, what, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, you feed them. In that very moment was the fullness of heaven made manifest for them to do anything within their power to do it. But what was in their hand? And they said, I've got nothing. And Jesus ended up doing it for them. But what is in your hand? And you say, well, I've only got two fish and five loaves. It doesn't matter. You say, well, that's not going to feed 5,000 people. Well, that doesn't matter. You say, well, I've only got $100 and I want to end global poverty. Well, that doesn't matter. But what are you doing with what you have got? And when was the last time you sat before God and said, God, give me strategies. Give me the ideas. Give me the wisdom. Give me the ways that I could take what I've got and multiply that that would feed the 5,000 and then I would have more left over. You know, the world is never changed by the multitude. It's changed by the ones and twos. Acts 17 talks about in the city and the disciples were starting to go, all, or the apostles were starting to go all over the world. And it says that are these they who have turned the world upside down and now they're coming here? It just takes 12 people to turn the world upside down. There's churches that are 25,000 people and yet the city and the social statistics of the city are no different. It takes 12, but it takes 12 people doing with what God has placed with them. And the key is to walk in that. You know, we need to dream again and to dream bigger. We need to dream again and dream bigger. And I just feel like so much, as even as I, was, I woke up and I was having a shower this morning, God just put it on my heart, the scripture in Romans. Romans 4, and it says, God who raises the dead, who gives life to the dead. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's your word for this morning. So if you're here and you're feeling like those dreams have died, that those dreams have been squashed, or you say, I don't even know what those dreams are. I've lived as a copy, as an imitation, as something from someone else. And God says, it is God who gives life to you. God who gives life to the dead. God who speaks life into your heart. 
and cause those things which do not exist as though they did. I just want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to put your hand on your heart. Father, just release your word this morning. I thank you that you are the God who gives life to the dead. That every dream here, every dead dream, I thank you that you're the God of resurrection. You're the God of resurrection power. And I just speak restoration of dreams. And I speak life. And I just declare the season of dying has ended. And this is now a season of life ever increasing. Father, I just take the grace that is on my life and I just release that in this place. And I just command you, live again. Live again. Live again. Live again. Live again. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus gets your full reward here. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. And I just want to encourage you that you just, it's like we could have everybody coming up and we pray hands, lay hands on you. But this is the thing between you and God. The grace released for you to dream again. But what are you going to do now with what's in your hand? I encourage you to go home, get out a piece of paper, and begin to write again. Write down the dreams. Write down the things that you want to have, the things you want to do, the things you want to be. You know, what are the financial things, emotional things, spiritual things, things for your legacy. What legacy do you want to leave? The first step is just to write it down and then identify one or two or three of those And just to say, what can I do now to move me towards that? What is within my hand already? And then go to somebody. Find a a, a dream friend and say, hey, can you agree with me over this? Can you agree with me and help me? Ask me, what are you going to do about that? I just love the presence of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, just season of dreaming. Season of dreaming. Season of dreaming. Dreams restored. 